Greetings, welcome, bienvenidos, hola, aloha, ni hao, namaste, konnichiwa, bonjour, bonjourno, sawadee karak, guten tak, jiao weevi vakat bang, half a day, jai janendra, privyet, salam, shalom, peace, now, go vegan, peace how, go vegan. Well, I don't need to uh, remind you that you got the cooties. Um, <laughs> takes me back to my childhood when uh, at the playground, you know, one of the childhood insults was, you got the cooties. Um, nobody wants to be near you. Uh, but not to worry, everybody's got the cooties now. Um, I never really knew what the cooties were. Uh, thankfully, there's know-it-all Google who tells me that it's uh, body lice. So, I don't know. You got the cooties sounds, uh, sounds more like a sound. We called insults sounds back then. My childhood in New York City. Um, sounds better than saying you got the coronavirus. And then we don't know if you have the coronavirus or not, but... You know, I mean, even if you don't, even, even if you don't have the cooties, uh, you know, you have to be treated as such. We all have to be treated that way. And uh, now we've come to the, the point where uh, the greatest act of kindness or caring is actually staying away from people. Uh, perhaps we should start greeting people on the street with an enthusiastic, uh, stay away from me. Uh, you pass someone on the street and instead of, hi, how you doing, or how are you, maybe just a nice, stay away from me, will do. And the other person, instead of saying, uh, fine, thank you, can respond with, uh, thank you, stay away from me too. Have a, a socially distant day. Yeah, you too. Hope you don't get close to any people. Yeah, you too. Have, have a nice stay away from me day. Um, who could have imagined it would come to that, that we now live in a faceless society? Um, and it's a good thing, too, because if we weren't all wearing masks, we might be attracted to each other. And then we would want to be closer than uh, six feet. So, good, for, for, for our own good, we have become faceless. Uh, <laughs> look at where we have come. Um... Look at where meat, dairy, fish, and egg eating. Oh, oh, oh and bat eating, you know, so uh, we have to include uh, rodent eating in this too. Look at where uh, that's brought us. COVID-19, another crisis brought to us by meat eating, meat, dairy, fish, egg, honey, and bat eating. Destroying the world, eating the planet alive. And uh, in a sense, as we treat each other uh, as if we all had the cooties, as if we were all viruses. Ah, well, maybe now we can see exactly how we look to all other uh, creatures on the planet. To all the other species, yes, people are a virus, a plague that threatens everyone with extinction because of our diet. We're just eating everyone away. Um, oh, Daisy, you want to get to your water here, and I'm in the way... Let me see there. Okay. Daisy just ate her big plate of evolution dog food. 
and uh, okay, and I was blocking her from getting to her bowl here right now. Okay, off the bed. All right, um, and uh, we'll we'll wait while Daisy has her water. Um, we'll wait. She she likes attention, so she'll probably be uh, drinking for a while now, right? <laughs> Okay, so um, we uh, we can come to uh, the point of recognition now that animal agriculture has uh, eaten this planet alive. Uh, so eating bacon or a burger or a wing doesn't just kill pigs and cows and chickens, you know, one by one uh, by the billions. It's killing our planet. How long can we tolerate uh, the behavior of the corpse consumer, the bovine nipple sucker, the cloaca discharge scrambler? Um, before we just make it illegal, uh, shouldn't it shouldn't it be illegal or um, at least uh, considered morally uh, reprehensible, like uh, maybe smoking a cigarette in the maternity ward I mean um, anyway I mean I, I, I hope you're doing okay I hope uh, that you're staying low on the misery index um, I know a lot of people right now who are feeling uh, pretty miserable and sad and uh, another reminder that you are what you eat um, yeah uh, isn't there enough misery in the world without uh, creating more for others? And, uh, of course, every animal who is in the meat, dairy, fish, and egg industry or at a uh, wet market in China um, is miserable. We, we eat misery. Uh, why would we want to cause misery for others when, when we're feeling how miserable it feels right now? Doesn't it? Um, and uh, we would eliminate that misery. We would eliminate that misery just if we... <laughs> and, and, and don't forget, if you are doing a podcast right now, that you should uh, turn off your phone. All right. Um, anyway, so I'm, I'm trying to stay positive. You know, I've been... Uh, been positive ever since I went vegan 36 years ago. Always positive uh, that uh, a vegan world was coming. Of course, uh, never fast enough for me, but there is a vegan revolution underway. It can't be denied, and you're invited uh, to join it right now. It's uh, definitely the way to go. I mean, when, uh, when you consider that... Uh, in our society, slaughterhouses are considered essential businesses than Viva la Revolucion. Huh? I mean, going vegan is definitely the way to go. Still not fast enough for me, although uh, if you're not vegan yet and joined us today, that would be uh, another step in the right direction toward saving the world. Um, I don't know. I mean... Uh, Right now, when there is a break in the action, uh, people have a little 
have a little extra thinking time on their hands. Uh, and I know, you know, given the choice, people are probably thinking more about sports than the heavier issues, more like, uh, how will we ever have baseball again? Well, we have to create base 1A and base uh, 1B, base 2A, base 2B, and have the uh, first base person, uh, you know, six feet away from base 1B, while the runner runs there. I don't know. How, how, how are we going to do sports again? We can't have... I mean, that's closer than six feet, you know, throwing somebody out at any base or tagging somebody. You have to have another base six feet away and use some electronic sensor or something like uh, like the Houston Astros. They, they seem to have perfected technology. Um, that was going to be my big, uh, my big joke for the baseball season, that uh, the Houston Astros were forced to eat bat soup uh, like they, they, you know, they're because of their cheating, that would be, you know, but, you know, they're bats, they're, um, and I'm glad that uh, I'm unable to really uh, concentrate on that joke at all, or, or ever tell it, um, and then, uh, what about football, you know, are, are the stadia all going to be empty, I mean, do we just play to the Terrorvision crowd, um, and then how do, how do you get a touchdown, I mean, I, the goal line will probably have to be uh, uh, second second yard line, right? Six feet away. So how do we prevent the other team from getting to the two-yard line when we have to be at the goal? I don't know. It's, it's all too complicated. Um, so um, I'd, I'd rather think of the, the, the heavier things myself right now. You know, like... Uh, I feel like for a long time, people have sensed that something is not quite right. Huh? I mean, are we going in the right direction at all or, you know, the wrong direction? What is it that's not right anyway? Huh? And uh, may I respectfully suggest that eating meat, dairy, fish, eggs, honey, and bats is, uh, is the wrong way to go. I mean, and given this time that you have to think, uh, why would you engage in such a repulsive behavior three times a day? I mean, have you ever considered that you're eating a fecal-sprinkled, pathogen-laden, uh, decomposing body part? Who would, uh, it would make you cry if you saw the uh, conditions that he or she had to endure, the uh, torture the uh, mutilation, the imprisonment, and the killing. You'd, you'd cry. You'd cry. Um, uh, if you could watch. If you could watch. Uh, you know, but uh, people are always saying to me, okay, Bob, it's, uh, you know, your choice to be vegan. Now leave us alone with, uh, with our choice to eat meat, dairy, fish, and eggs. I mean, it's, it's our choice, you know. I mean, um, but, again, could you please consider what choice does the animal have? I'm guessing the animal would uh, be on my side, would choose my side of this issue. Um, I would imagine that all animal lovers would choose this side of the issue if they really ever think about it. Um, but, you know... <clears throat> 
how long do we allow a totally destructive choice to uh, be allowed? How, how long do we allow something so destructive to be allowed? I mean, um, if someone chooses to create a worldwide pandemic, killing and sickening countless people around the globe, do we just say, uh, oh, uh, we believe in freedom of choice. That's okay. Uh, choosing to eat animals is the basis for the coronavirus. Um, said to have originated from a meat market, you know, a wet market in Wuhan. And uh, if it turns out it came from a laboratory nearby, um, okay, so, uh, in, instead of, a, you know, a yummy bowl of bat soup, uh, you know, well, I mean, if it's from a lab, uh, the, the plague is still based uh, in, uh, in animal abuse, you know, and we still have all the, the bird flu and the swine flu, etc., all because of animal eating and production, not to mention heart disease, cancer, stroke, diabetes, all because someone is allowed the choice to eat meat dairy fish and eggs allowed the choice to create an impossible to afford health care or, or no care health system here in the united states not to mention climate change deforestation desertification resource depletion water scarcity pollution acidification eutrophication habitat destruction and mass extinction all because people have this this choice, this choice to eat meat, dairy, fish, eggs, and, and bats. Um, could you imagine if a band of terrorists had this this little magic powder that they could sprinkle on the world to to destroy the, the planet? You know, to to destroy uh, you know to to destroy nature, to destroy you. And everyone and everything, would we say, oh, you know, it's, it's their choice, freedom of choice. Uh, um, go ahead, sprinkle your, your magic uh, uh, powder. It, it's your choice. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll sprinkle our powder. And you, Bobby, you go sprinkle your magic vegan powder and, and you know, um, see what that does. Huh? So anyway, um, I say now. And here I've always been for liberty and uh, truth and justice. Um, <laughs> I think there are certain limits to freedom of choice. Um, and uh, I hope that you'll agree with me. I mean, I don't know. Maybe people just can't think clearly. Too much meat and uh, fat blocking proper blood flow to the brain. Maybe they just don't uh, get exposed to the truth often enough. Maybe... They need to hear uh, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. Um, maybe they need to see uh, the Michael Moore, uh, the new movie, Planet of the Humans. Pretty much destroys the so-called green energy movement. And it shows how toxic it is, how intensive, uh, how intensive uh, its use of fossil fuels is, uh, the mining associated with it, the pollution so deadly 
the green energy movement, so deadly, uh, wind power is so deadly to birds, and solar power is, uh, is so deadly to desert life, desert creatures, uh, the turtles in the desert, um, and, uh, and, you know, those critical of the Michael Moore movie just say, oh, he's wrong, renewable energy is the answer. Um, you know, nobody... I mean, nobody points out that animal agriculture is the number one cause of climate change, the number one cause of all environmental destruction, basically. I mean, you name it, uh, it's animal agriculture. And so not Michael Moore, not the critics of the movie, none of them are saying that going vegan is the only solution. Uh, now, the, plan, the, the, the climate experts have been saying that for years, uh, that going vegan, a population shift to vegan, would take us to pre-industrial carbon levels. It would reverse all the problems we have. It, it, it's, uh, it would end mass extinction. Who's for mass extinction? Well, every plate of meat, dairy, fish, and eggs uh, is a vote for mass extinction. So, um, I don't know. Animal agriculture somehow is classified as an essential industry. Um, apparently, as essential as chemtrails. I don't know. I yeah. I I'm looking up today. Look up at the sky. It looks like uh, the chemtrail geoengineers got their emergency funding to keep their essential business going. As I look up in the sky right now. Ah. Is it a bird? No, no, no. They've been uh, they've been chopped up by the uh, wind uh, wind power uh, towers. Uh, is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, there are no planes flying uh, during the pandemic. Um, oh, it's chemtrails. Yeah, that's what it is. Um, it could be. It could be super vegan. Yeah, the only uh, world hero left. The only, the only one left who can save the planet is the vegan. Every vegan is a super vegan. No, it's not, it's not going to be saved by uh, the disgraced uh, Fibbin Bill McKibben exposed by Michael Moore in the movie. No, the only one left to save the world, super vegan. That's every vegan. Able to save the world just by eating. Isn't that amazing? I mean, how ridiculous is it that uh, uh, slaughterhouses can be considered essential when they're so detrimental? Like they should be, they should be closed down, you know, with, without a pandemic. They should just be, well, they would close down if we all went vegan. Something so detrimental as the slaughterhouse, the the packing plants, who are packed with coronavirus. Now. Maybe they're essential to keep the hospital beds uh, filled when uh, there aren't the coronavirus victims uh, occupying them. Maybe they're essential for the pharmaceutical kill business, but uh, not not essential, uh, you know, if we're going to address uh, climate change. There was a really good, really good coverage in Animals Twenty Four Seven. Um. And uh, here, let's uh, let me just look at that for a moment. Oh, by the way, 
I should say that Lisa Barca is coming up on today's show. She's with uh, Scarlet Rescue, uh, a vegan band, and we'll be featuring her music today and talking to her about um, veganism and feminism. And uh, so that's coming up on today's show. Um, going here to Animals 24-7. So it says, COVID-19, far more U.S. meat workers hit than Wuhan wet market staff. Infectious as wet markets are, U.S. slaughterhouse uh, conditions appear to be much worse. Waterloo and Sioux City, Iowa, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. COVID-19 has infected hundreds of U.S. slaughterhouse workers who may have spread the pandemic disease to whole cities, USA Today reported late on April 22, 2020. The uh, Hunan Seafood Wholesale Market in Wuhan, China, became globally notorious as the likely point of origin of the worldwide COVID-19 pandemic. After 28 of the first 41 people infected were found to have worked there. That was apparently enough to spread COVID-19 worldwide within days of the disease outbreak being identified. But working conditions in the U.S. slaughter industry may be infecting magnitudes of order more people directly than were directly infected at the Wuhan wet market. Let me continue with uh, reading this piece from Animals 24-7. I had to click the link. And uh, let me see here. Scroll down. It says, uh, more than a third of biggest U.S. slaughterhouses. Let me see here. More than a third of biggest U.S. slaughterhouses. USA Today writers Kyle uh, Sky Chadi, and Matt Wynn, working with the Midwest Center for Investigative Reporting, found that more than 150 of America's largest meat processing plants operate in counties where the rate of coronavirus infection is already among the nation's highest they explained. These facilities represent more than one in three of the nation's biggest beef, pork, and poultry processing plants. Rates of infection around these plants are, are higher than those of 75% of other U.S. counties, the analysis found. Uh, Bagginstow's uh, Chadi and Wynn wrote, Altogether, the reporting team logged infections in at least 2,200 workers at 48 plants. COVID-19 hits Iowa slaughterhouses hardest. The USA Today report hit the web only hours after Tyson Foods closed the pig slaughterhouse in Waterloo, Iowa, due to what Tyson Fresh Meats, is that the name of the company, Tyson Fresh Meats? <laughs> Um, um, due to what Tyson Fresh Meats Group President Steve Stouffer called, quote, 
The combination of worker absenteeism, COVID-19 cases, and community concerns, end quote. Continuing with this here, it says, Union representatives and Black Hawk County officials had asked that the slaughterhouse be closed after 182 of the 379 COVID-19 cases found in the county were linked to it. The slaughterhouse, the largest in the Tyson pork group, normally employs about 2,800 people. Quote, at Iowa Premium in Tama, added uh, Brandon Pollock of the Waterloo Courier, 177 out of more than 500 workers tested positive for the virus. The facility had been shuttered since April 10th, but reopened on April 20th, 2020. Governor rejects union appeals for intervention. Quote, state public health officials define an outbreak as confirmed cases in at least 10% of business uh, employees, Pollock uh, continued. Going by that definition, Pollock reported outbreaks have also occurred at Tyson plants in Columbus Junction and Perry and at a Smith, uh, Smithfield food plant just across the northwest border, border in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. But Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds, a Republican, rejected an appeal, Pollock wrote, from a coalition of Iowa unions that represents a total of 6,600 workers who asked her to slow the spread of production lines to uh, so workers can create more distance between each other, uh, mandate workers to wear face masks or other coverings, and take steps to ensure the enforcement of worker safety standards. Cargill Limited temporarily closed the cattle slaughterhouse in High River, Alberta, after more than 350 workers tested positive for COVID-19. How one Tyson worker died. Tyson Fresh Meats, however, continued to resist appeals to close a cattle slaughterhouse in Dakota City, despite the COVID-19 death of at least one senior employee and other COVID-19 cases found among the 4,300 workers. More than 150 cases have been reported in the two surrounding counties. Wrote Sioux City Journal reporter Peggy Censorino, uh, Raimundo Canral, 64, a frontline worker at the beef plant, died on April 19, 2020, at his, his Sioux City home. His wife, Annabelle, told the journal. Soon after, the uh, local medical examiner confirmed COVID-19 as the cause. Quote, Bell said her husband started feeling ill about two weeks ago, but he continued to report to duty at the sprawling plant, Senzarino uh, recounted. Despite reporting symptoms of the virus, he was not given access to a test, she said. Bell, 57, and her daughter, Sarah Conral, also tested positive for COVID-19 and were hospitalized, Senzarino said.
Okay, so, um, on and on it goes. Uh, let's see. Smithfield ran largest coronavirus hotbed in the U.S. About an hour and a half north in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Smithfield Foods meat processing plant has become the largest coronavirus hotbed in the United States with about 735 associated cases, uh, Forbes staff reporter Alexandra uh, Stemlicht wrote on uh, April 16, 2020. The Smithfield Food Slaughterhouse was closed on April 12th, uh, but COVID-19 continued to spread among workers who may have been infected on the job. A week after the closure, the case uh, total among Smithfield workers reportedly exceeded 900. Smithfield Foods employee uh, Augustin Rodriguez, 64, became the first coronavirus fatality from the plant's outbreak, according to the Sioux Falls Argus leader, Steinlicht continued which reported that Rodriguez uh, continued working at the plant after he began to have symptoms of COVID-19. Uh, he was hospitalized on April 4th. Smithfield Foods, owned by Hong Kong-based WH Group, closed other slaughterhouses in Kudahi, Wisconsin, Kudahai, Wisconsin, Martin City, Missouri, and Arnold, Pennsylvania, after employees at these locations tested positive for coronavirus, Stemlicht said. Let's see. More than 10% of U.S. hog uh, slaughtering capacity is down. The Brazilian-based JBS company on April 20th announced closure of a pig slaughterhouse in Worthington, Minnesota, the third largest in the U.S. after seven of the 2,000 workers tested positive for COVID-19. The closure means that more than 10% of U.S. hog slaughtering capacity is down, reported uh, Jen uh, Skirmit and Michael Hitzer for Bloomberg News. This was after more than 100 workers developed COVID-19. At other JBS slaughterhouses, uh, okay, so on and on it goes to where we see that the meat packing plants are packed with uh, coronavirus, and uh, then still um, hard to understand why these would then be uh, classified as essential businesses. And uh, the unions aren't happy about that. And how can anybody who, you know, like, if the meatpacking plants and workers are sneezing and coughing all over the meat, uh, why, would, why would anybody buy any meat right now? I mean, I, it's certainly not essential. Uh, it's detrimental. It makes no sense whatsoever. Um I'll bet you didn't know that, huh? That uh, the hot spots for coronavirus in the U.S. are the meatpacking plants and the slaughterhouses and their surrounding communities. So 
There you go. Um, I wouldn't want to be buying any any meat coming from those facilities. Uh, not that I would want to buy any meat whatsoever, but uh, again, sick animals from a sick environment. Go figure. Um, okay, well, I want to give a shout out to uh, all the... Uh, vegan restaurants around the country and around the world that are managing to stay in business. I urge you to please support your local vegan restaurants, get takeout from them, curbside service, whatever they might be uh, supplying. Some vegan restaurants uh, are also selling groceries uh, like our great friends at Vegetarian House in San Jose, one of the best vegan restaurants in the world. And, uh, yeah, so uh, go to VegetarianHouse.com, VegetarianHouse.com, and you can uh, order and pay online, and they'll bring food out to you curbside. Um, and again, they're offering groceries too. So please support your local vegan restaurants. We need to keep them in business. And I want to say thank you to Evolution Vegan Dog and Cat Food for its support of Go Vegan Radio and uh, I suggest uh, that you give a call to Eric Weissman. He'll be happy to talk to you about vegan dog and cat food. And if you're having financial difficulties, I'm sure he'll work something out with you. Uh, the phone number is 651-492-2190. 651-492-2190. You can order online at petfoodshop.com petfoodshop.com, Evolution Vegan Dog and Cat Food for all stages of dogs and cats' uh, lives. Um, there's a new organic variety, no chemical preservatives or mold inhibitors. And again, uh, discounts uh, if you're uh, having financial difficulties or if you're a first-time buyer, uh, you'll get a discount also. Okay? All right. Well, uh, thank you for joining us on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. Um, please support us with a tax-deductible donation. I would think that uh, all the money that you'd be sending to those environmental groups, those so-called environmental groups now exposed by the Michael Moore movie, how about sending that uh, money in our direction so that we can, can, uh, can continue our um, important educational work as a 501c3 nonprofit, letting people know that animal agriculture is the number one cause of climate change and all sorts of environmental destruction and that going vegan is the only solution. Uh, you know, we need to, uh, we need to get the word out. Nobody else is doing it. Certainly not Fib and Bill McKibben. So if you can help us with a tax deductible donation, find the donate button. Um, you'll also find over 600 archive programs, uh, that are free. We've been, uh, doing, our uh, talk show since 2001. This is the first mainstream media vegan show ever since 2001. Uh, help us uh, keep it going with a tax-deductible donation at GoVeganRadio.com.
Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com. On Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. Twitter, at Go Vegan Radio. Uh, please support us with a tax-deductible donation if you can. I know it's a rough economy there, but, you know, if you're somebody who's a, a mask salesperson or a ventilator salesperson, uh, share the wealth. Help us spread the word that going vegan solves everything from pandemics to climate change. Um, this is uh, your one-stop one uh, shopping for uh, education on how to save the world. Um, okay, well, my next guest, uh, disguised as a mild-mannered literature professor at Arizona State University, Lisa Barca is a vegan feminist activist uh, who is singer, songwriter, and guitarist for Scarlet Rescue, uh, an all-vegan punk power rock band, if we can characterize music. Um, so, ooh, a lot of connections there, a lot of connectivity, Lisa. How are you today? I'm <laughs> doing great, Bob. How are you? Yeah, I, t- I, I took off my Clark Kent uh, <laughs> professor outfit, yeah, to to uh, be with you here today, go into my little secret phone book, okay, phone booth. Well, well, no, 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 no kryptonite here. Uh, yeah. Actually, actually, everybody's kryptonite, you know, would be meat, dairy, fish, and eggs when you come down to it, right? So, that's right. That's right. Vegan kryptonite. That's what we got <laughs> around. Here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so of course, I would like you to uh, connect all of uh, what I just mentioned there, but I think we've been talking about you a little too much and I really of course want to turn attention back to my favorite subject which is uh, I and I say I only because I know you're you know an English professor so um, I use the right pronoun there um, but I'm, I'm grading you Bob by the <laughs> I'm transcribing this and marking it up with red pen I loved <laughs> diagramming sentences I love diagramming sentences and I think I was the only one in my class who figured out when to use who or whom. So <laughs> consequently, I thought I might have been, you know, my career should have been English teacher, which, you know, might have been secure and with a pension and you know, all of that. But I chose disc jockey at radio stations and program director, like the, the most, you know, not, nothing stable about that, basically. But it was fun. It's fun to pick music, you know, music, you know, so, uh, I, I, uh, you know, my, my job was record companies would send music and I would play what I liked. It was a very interesting career for a while. I knew it'd have, I'd have to pay the price in the future, but, uh, it was, it was great. So, um, so yeah, so, uh, well, I've almost talked about me enough and I do say me because it was the, uh, object of a preposition um (laughs) you are correct (laughs) well thank you thank you i i'm gonna try to fit who or whom into the conversation (laughs) at some point but not yet um so okay so i mentioned everything from professor of literature and vegan feminist activist and and um scarlet rescue and all but uh, again, bringing the subject to me, um, there was some connection. Like, I think this radio show influenced you somehow, uh, right? Am I correct in that regard here so that we can talk about me a little more before we really talk about you? Well, yeah, you know, like back when, you know, when I was first becoming vegan after being vegetarian for a really long time, I just was so, you know, my whole world 
was changing and uh, a lot of it in some ways kind of falling apart, right? Because then all of a sudden it's just like, whoa, you know, I've just seen through so much stuff. I thought I had seen through all the stuff. I've always been pretty critical of the status quo and pretty, I guess, countercultural, you could say. <laughs> but then, you know, the fact that I hadn't fully, fully seen, you know, the animal industrial complex for what it is um, and then had whoa, like, I was just like, who do I listen to? Like, where can I turn in this crazy delusional world? So I was searching around for vegan stuff to listen to. And I found your show. And it was summer. And so, you know, I was on road trips and, you know, driving around a lot. And um, back when we could like drive and go places. Right. You know? <laughs> Ago. And yeah, no, your shows are, is great. It's great for road trips. You know what I mean? Because it's like, boom, I just sit there and it has like I'm having this little conversation with you. And it's like an hour, you know, and it's like, whatever, you know, if you're going somewhere, it's an hour road trip. So anyway, it was it was very, um, it got me thinking about a lot of things that I hadn't thought a lot before about, um, you know, uh, the welfareist um, approach and versus the rights approach, which is something I've actually gone into and thought about a lot now. And you would have Gary Francione on. And so, yeah, it was cool. It, it has been really great. Helped cement my convictions and when I had first become vegan. So thank you, Bob, for well, that. Oh, well, thank you for listening. Uh, apparently, you are the one who, uh, who uh, is the listener of this show and how, how long ago would you say that would have been like how many years ago or back when? Uh, uh, four years ago about four years ago four years ago and so that's when you were first going vegan and and was there something that made you go vegan something you saw in particular or what was there a deciding factor for yeah well see i um i had been vegetarian for like 20 years. <laughs> and apparently I'm not the only one who's had this experience. Um, I, I thought I knew somehow, like I was doing it for the animals and I thought I was doing everything that I was supposed to do. And then somehow, I don't even remember exactly how it happened, but I came across a video online of a, a mother cow having her baby ripped away from her, which of course is the standard practice in all dairying, whether it is a big industrial operation or a small quote unquote family farm. I mean, they're all family farms, right? Um, and uh, I just, it, it blew me away. It was so sad. I'm sure a lot of your listeners have, have seen or know about this, you know, the tragedy of this, you know, the, the baby is, you know, she or he is crying and frightened and being wheeled away in some kind of cart and the mother is mourning and bellowing. And it is a mother's grief. It is just unmistakable. And it it was one of the saddest things I've ever seen. It's one of the saddest uh, in my things life. I've ever seen too. I mean that oh. that image is oh. with me, and uh, it it breaks my heart constantly. You know, whenever I see a gallon of milk at the grocery store or or any dairy, uh, that scene comes to mind. I mean, I if 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 I were in a movie and had to cry, you know, I, I could just bring that to mind, and and I'm in tears. It's 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 horrific. It is a deep, it is a deep tragedy and it is, it is 
um, it devastated me. You know, it just devastated me. I was absolutely floored. And at that point, I went vegan on the spot. And, and yeah, by the way, I was guilty too. 13 years, I thought I was on the moral high ground of, you know, non vegan vegetarianism, having uh, dairy and eggs. And um, I, I didn't know either. I, I, I don't know how it took me 13 years to find out about the cruelty and death uh, of dairy and, and eggs, but. It, it, you know, it was, it's, it managed to be hidden from me for 13 years. I wish, wish somebody would have, uh, uh, you know, pointed that out to me when I first went uh, vegan, uh, veget, so-called vegetarian. You know, I was 19 and in college, and thinking I was doing something for the animals. And then, 13 years? How could that be? Oh, oh well. Uh. <laughs> yeah, and and um, this is why it's so important that we speak out and advocate, right? Somebody put that video up online, right? Someone filmed that video and put it online. And that sparked me now to become someone who has devoted my life to this. So we never know who we're impacting. I think it's important to keep that in mind. And it's always important to speak the truth and put it out there, right? Because people are listening and you never know. You never you know, yeah, uh, whom you will impact. Yeah, <laughs> bringing that grammar thing. <laughs> oh my God, oh my God. I'm not critiquing your grammar. I am bigger. I am bigger. Here you are, somebody uh, upon whom this program had an impact. So there. So uh, good. <laughs> so um, so then develop thinking through. Um, well, I don't know which came first. Were you um, were you teaching uh, literature? I mean, how how did things come together with uh, a, a feminist uh, vegan perspective, or you know, how did how did all of those pieces come together? Well, you know, I mean, I've identified uh, with feminism, and I can talk about that because I identify as a particular type of feminism that I identify with and consider myself a representative of now, but I had been interested in issues of gender and justice for uh, quite a long time before going vegan. Um, and uh, I'd been, you know, teaching for some time before that. Um, it came together for me, you know, I, I decided once I saw this whole picture of injustice and how this patriarchal and speciesist system that we're living in <laughs> oppresses all of us and how the speciesism was such an immense part of it it really changed my perspective on feminism i will i will say that um i i identify as an eco-feminist so that means um you know there are different <laughs> branches or types of feminism. Again, it's a bunch of labeling and sometimes it doesn't quite parse out that way. But, you know, a, a liberal feminist perspective, for instance, would argue or is mainly looking to get more women into positions of power within the existing system. And I've never been, I've always kind of seen that that is not a complete picture, that we need to do more than that and transform the system as well. 
once I went vegan, I was utterly convinced of that. And I was like, this is it. This system needs to be completely <laughs> replaced and dismantled with a non-predatory, non-violent, non-speciesist, anti-patriarchal new system. And so, you know, I had been going to conferences, you know, academic conferences with feminist themes. And I, I started to see things differently after I went vegan because, you know, here are people, um, you know, with the best of intentions, perhaps, but talking about justice and equality and fairness for, for women and for others, and then eating, you know, chicken's flesh or chicken's eggs or yogurt, uh, you know, which is which are all the products of immense suffering and oppression and reproductive slavery. And so that, I don't go to those conferences anymore. I suppose I could go and try to advocate. You probably for should. That's where you belong. <laughs> I know, I know. I go to different conferences now. I, but, I, but yeah, I guess, I guess you have a point there. I mean, I could go and, you know, try to like raise, you know, like sort of like, hey, you know, raise this issue. And I've done a little bit of that. And you know, maybe if the world opens back up again, you know, I'll, yeah. I'll. Uh, well, shouldn't so. that be the the low hanging fruit? I mean, once you bring it to people's attention, uh, I would think that the it, it's it's a short step to being vegan. I mean. Um, so all dairy starts with rape. It's called, you know, and the dairy industry calls it a rape rack, right? So, I mean, uh, so uh, wouldn't that be enough to make any feminist immediately stop uh, with, with dairy? And then we go to chickens who are also, um, you know, the, the females are... Um, abused and oppressed because they're female, although the males are ground alive right after birth. It's hard to say who has it better, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, this is an industry that is incredibly violent and oppressive to everybody within it and everyone who comes into contact with it. So this is an in, these are industries that kill male babies as, as just a normal <laughs> operating uh, procedure. Uh, as we said, with mothers crying for them too, so you know it's not it's not a sterile antiseptic kind of thing. It's uh, mother and baby crying for each other. No, it's it's truly horrific, and so it is cruel to everybody, to all of the beings within it. The way that you could look at it as a feminist issue is that there is a particular exploitation of female female reproductive capacities you know sherry kalb who is a law professor at i think at rutgers um is has called it reproductive slavery and i have a reading that i assign to my students about uh, this and it is i mean it it is it is enslavement right so their bodies <laughs> are being used to produce products that are then stolen for human consumption whether it's cows breast milk or chickens, eggs, or um, the other products that are associated with the, that exploitation. So, and yes, they are raped also. See, people object often to using terms like slavery and rape when it comes to non-human animals. And sometimes they will refer to the dictionary definition of those terms and the legal definition saying that they only apply to humans. 
And my view on that is like, well, how are we ever going to move society forward if we are beholden to the old establishment ways of viewing things? If we're going to look at something like a dictionary definition or the current legal uh, definition, that is not going to help move us forward. So that's why I think it is completely appropriate and actually very important to apply these well, terms. Well, the industry calls it a rape rack. So, I mean, right, right. right there, I mean, what does that say? I mean, uh, how, how objectionable the word is, the industry calls it a rape rack. Um, so um, that's uh, and, very, very derisive. Uh, you know, and you uh, have to remind people, you know, I will remind people, this is not an activist term. I did not come up with the term rape rack. I did not, activists did not invent that. That is what the industry calls it. If you look at industry terminology itself, it's pretty apparent what's going on there. And it is sick. It is sick and it is sad. I have no interest in making excuses for it. I have every interest in raising awareness about it and helping people who want to get out of these industries um, to do that. That's why I wrote my song, Seeing Her Being Her. That is one of my songs that actually connects. Oh, that, that's, I'm sure that that's a, a, a cue for me to get that song oh, together here. If you uh, want, yeah. Well, so, I, I, I will. Um, uh, yeah, t tell us more about the song, though, as I uh, scroll to the link here in our low-tech, go-vegan radio world. <laughs> Yeah, so this is a song, it's about, you know, tying together different forms of oppression, right? So the song moves through three vignettes. You know, the first one is about an unhoused woman on the street. And the second verse is about a college student who has been raped by an acquaintance. And then the third one is about a mother cow who has had her baby ripped away from her. And the chorus would you mind, uh, maybe you don't like seeing her because you wouldn't like being her. It's sort of questioning, why do we look away? Why do we look away from these injustices? And, get a, and instead of allowing ourselves to see and maybe act, and I'm also trying to connect them to show that it's all connected. You know, the tragedy of human women who are exploited and marginalized and ignored is not that different than what we do to non-human animals every day of every week. So that's why I wanted to write the song, to try okay. and tie let's, those things together. Let, let's hear a little uh, a segment of uh, Seeing Her, Being Her. Here we are. Whoops. Went to the... Uh, here we go. Shouts out, shut up, you stupid hag. You're morbid curiosity. 
Lisa Barca, Scarlet Rescue, from the EP, Animals and Other People, Seeing Her Being Her. I'm going back into my old disc jockey days. I like it. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Great song, Lisa. So, yeah, yeah. So, uh, it's great when, uh, you know, activism motivates creativity, you know, art. Art has a cause. So... Um, you were um, talking about ecofeminism before, and like, um, could you explain, you know, why that's a different branch from what just might be called feminism, or and what it is again, actually, and then 
uh, are all eco-feminists vegan or is that a place that needs some work too? Um, no, I can honestly say I'm not really too sure. Like I, I'm just sort of, I mean, for me, I mean, many of them are actually, I, I, you know, Carol Adams, who wrote the sexual politics of meat identifies as an eco-feminist. Many of them are, are vegan. I mean, I don't really necessarily like putting labels onto myself, but the, the reason I would identify with eco-feminism among others is because, is because it has a, it, it rejects an anthropocentric view of reality, right? So it's looking at not just like our human world that we've created and its power structures, but also at our relationships with other animals and other beings and with the environment and with the earth. And in my view, any feminism that doesn't, or any movement that doesn't take those things into account is not complete. And I think if anything can show us this, this situation that we are experiencing with this pandemic and all of the the series of unending catastrophes that we have had that are connected with animal agriculture and humans' exploitation of this world in general, I don't know what more it can take to open people's eyes. I, I, like everything that's wrong with the world basically comes from eating meat, dairy, fish, and eggs from... Right, this pandemic with the virus that is said to have come from a wet market, a meat market in China, where people were enjoying uh, bat soup. How uh, what what how how delicious that sounds! It is uh, as appealing as chicken soup or what, whatever other you know body part is in a puddle of hot water. How yeah, how disgusting. Um, but yeah, so from uh, this little virus that we can't see to climate change, which uh, is caused by animal agriculture. That's the number one cause of climate change and all other environmental problems. So uh, Mother Earth is under attack. Um, and uh, so basically, uh, as far as I'm concerned, one can't really be an yes. environmentalist without right. being vegan. That's why I am, that is why I am making a loud noise uh, with my music and in other ways uh, to... Yeah, try try and wake people up. Right, right, right. So, um, so in in feminism, is there a place for you know mother mother instinct and all? Wouldn't that be something? Um, I mean, well, certainly, yes, yes. Although I, you know, that is certainly true. This is something that could should concern everybody. You know, this is a basic bond that exists that all of us as animals have shared right when that when a baby is born that baby has the right to be with her or his mother that mother has the right to take care of that child it's i just see that as as a right an inherent right i can't even imagine how that could be questioned and that that is so violated routinely in these industries is, is a travesty. It's crazy. And I really think that most people, when it's pointed out to them in a sustained way, where they really are given the information, which it's, it's sometimes it's challenging to find the opportunity to do that, you know, in passing conversations. But once they have it pointed out to them, it's there's no way you could justify it. It's so insane. It's so cruel. It's it's 
it's just nuts. And I think most people see that. Most of my students see it, you know, when I um, give them material, showing them and telling them about what happens in this archaic, predatory, outdated industry that is animal agriculture. So uh, in your in your literature classes, you're discussing uh, vegan and animal issues, or yeah. So let me just clarify. I don't really teach literature. I mean, I do. I get yeah. I okay. So let me explain a little bit more, um, just sort of what I teach. So basically, it's a literature class. I I teach at the honors college at my university, and the main course that I teach it's sort of this first year humanities seminar that all the students have to take. So it's a required course for the honors students, and they read everything from you know, old stories about heroes and gods up into, you know, like Homer, things like that, up into present times where I have them read uh, The Sustainability Secret, for instance, which is the book version of Cowspiracy. And I also teach an animal ethics class that is an elective that I've designed, which is focused entirely on, um, on this issue. And so I've had the opportunity to affect many, many students with this. They're writing their final reflections right now. And I can't even tell you, Bob, how many of them are just writing and saying things like, I never knew. Like, I just never knew about this. I gave them an article to read by Mark Beckoff, who is an ethologist. He's done, he's vegan. He's done a lot of writing about animals and their uh, psychological and social and cultural behaviors. I gave them an article from Psychology Today by Mark uh, Mark Beckoff to read about cows, how they're emotional individuals and the suffering that they face in these industries. I would say at least half the students chose to write about that in their papers that they just turned in. And they had many, many other choices as well. But so many of them chose to write about that. And I also had them watch a read about slaughterhouses and what goes on in them and i had an extra credit session on zoom i did this remotely to watch uh dominion the film the australian film the 2018 australian film that shows the torture that animals go through not just in food industries but in clothing the vivisection industry which is another thing i'm very outspoken about i'm writing a song about that right now and we have a, a campaign on campus to shut down uh the labs there but anyway um the, the they, problem uh, unfortunately with vivisection is that it, it's government required you know that's the uh, you know the disaster behind the whole thing is how uh, tests are required uh, oh, oh absolutely yeah so we're fighting against that at my university but when these students anyway so i teach about all this all these things in my animal ethics class and it really transforms them. It can be very challenging to have conversations about these things with people in a day-to-day -day setting. Uh, it can be challenging to bring it up. Also, people can easily just walk away or discount it. The, the beauty about the class is, like, I've got them. You know, like, once they've signed up for the class, like, they're there with me for either eight weeks or and six And they know it's an animal ethics class, not just literature and Homer and the Iliad and all of that, yeah. right? Yeah, and I don't really teach Homer and the Iliad. I'm not expert <laughs> in those kinds of things, uh, you know, but I, it's it's because the one class I teach is a survey class. Like, we, you know, we do stuff at that at the, begin, at the beginning, you know, and I'm sort of building a rapport with them through it. And then by the end, you know, we get into these more um, real world and more urgent 
topics and I'll tell you, they appreciate it. They have the right to know. These kids have a right to know yes. what is going on in their world and what is happening in their world. And I don't know who else is going to tell them. Hopefully someone else will. I hope I'm not the well, only. Do you assign them listening to, to this radio show that affected you in the past? Or is that a requi required uh, listening and then they write about this? I'm sorry. Yeah, they had <laughs> that point. They're not. They're not that advanced yet, Bob. That's we're okay, working. That's advanced. That's graduate study. Working up. Yeah. All right. That, that'll be graduate studies. Uh, have you seen the new Michael Moore movie, uh, Planet of the not, Humans? I have not, but I. I no, I have it, but okay. I've seen so, that kind of a buzz around it. I, I I meant to kind of look into that before this interview <laughs> in right. case well, it that, came that's up. Okay. No. Um, we. The thing, the thing is, um, for many years, I've been saying that going vegan is the only solution uh, for climate change. Uh, and of course, uh, deforestation, resource depletion, water scarcity, you name it, desertification, eutrophication, you name the fication, uh, that's, it's the cause of it, including mass extinction, habitat destruction, I mean, all of those. Um, which would be cured by going vegan. And I don't just say this because I love animals and I, I, I'm making something up. Uh-oh, I ended a sentence with a preposition. I'm up making something no, no, with... Actually, <laughs> no, go well, ahead. Bob, let me say two quick things. Number one, I'm not a grammar snob. <laughs> well, but, I am. I am. See, I get upset like and, if, I, if I see anchors on TV saying, well, me and my friend went to, you know, whatever. I don't know. I don't like... <laughs> Yeah, that's a little bit wanting, but it's, it's okay to end a sentence with a preposition, by the way. That's a bit of an archaic rule, and there are many grammarians who think it's just fine, and I do it all the time. Yeah, well, I so. when I was in school, those were the archaic days, so it goes back uh, yes. that, that far. To, uh, no, Bob, that was like, wow, wasn't that like back during the Depression? I'm <laughs> you know, I know you're not that well, it was it was the late 60s in a very activist era, actually. Um oh. So we had our uh, war protests going on, and I was a peace activist, and I think that being vegan is a natural evolution, uh, well, for, not just from peace activism, but it's the main peace activism. I mean, uh, Tolstoy said, as long as there are slaughterhouses, there will be battlefields, you know, so... Um, so, uh, what was my point? I forgot what I was even, uh, uh oh, the Michael Moore movie. Okay. So, so the, the Michael Moore movie comes out. So, so, okay. So I've been saying that going vegan is the only solution, uh, for the environment. And, you know, that's been said by Goodland and Anhang at the World Bank, uh, saying we would go to pre-industrial carbon levels. And there's a great study, uh, from Joseph Poor at Oxford University, all saying that really, the, the only solution is to go vegan and uh, and it would remove, you know, 8.1 billion cubic tons of carbon from the atmosphere every year. It would re really reverse things. And it's the only way to save ourselves. And and always people would say, no, 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 it's it's uh, green energy. That's what's going to save us. That's the you know, that's uh, really the alternative energy infrastructure. And the, the Michael Moore movie just blows it all apart i mean he exposes green energy um electric cars solar wind biomass uh exposes them all as a hoax how 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 intensive they are in fossil fuels and mining and human oppression and it just it's mind-blowing just to you know what, what we've been led to believe by really a, a very 
deceptive, you know, environmental movement that really existed for for billionaires who wound up making a lot of the products. Um, so, yeah, I totally agree with that. Like, um, is Michael Moore, ve- is it a vegan movie? Like, cause no, he, see, he, he, he doesn't I mean, even know the solution. He's saying now, well, now what do we do? We don't know what to do, but we know that we can't do this. This is, we've been misled. But again, they're all shrugging their shoulders going, now what do we do? Anybody have any ideas? And I'm off in the corner here raising my hand, you know, Mr. Moore, Mr. Moore, you know, please, let, you know, uh, we have the solution, and I think that this is this is the vegan moment, you know, where, like you say, people have a right to know. Nobody knows that going vegan is the solution to climate change, basically. I mean, it's uh, we've been told, you know, we need carbon taxes, carbon trading, everything, more miles per gallon, everything but the truth. And, and my feeling is, like, people have a right to know, even... If they don't go vegan, which I don't know why they wouldn't, uh, if it's the uh, only real solution to just about everything. Um, but but like you're saying, people have a right to know. That's that's the whole thing. So um, well, yeah, and so absolutely. And my and the solution is to end the tyranny of one species over the rest of the species on right. this planet. Speciesism. Th- Speciesism. Yes. And so that's why I wrote my song, End of, The End of Tyranny, which I have to say has a little bit of tidbit in there. I think I heard you say on your show one time that animal agriculture is, among other things, like feeding the poor man's bread to the rich man's cow. Am I right, Bob? Did you say something like that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, and that line is actually in that song. I don't know if you want to play it for people so they can hear it. I see it now. I see where I can uh, click the link and the okay. uh, music will happen. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Here it I comes. Because I kind of put it all in there. It's a bit of a manifesto for veganism, I, 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 this song. Well, then, let's give it a listen here. End of tyranny. <laughs> okay. All right, Lisa Barca of Scarlet Rescue coming right up. I'm singing this out alone. I'm bringing this for peace. The time has finally come for tyranny to cease. Amazing. 
our own kind. The other animals need our hours to confine. Cut off their cheeks and claws for no necessary cause. The killing goes on every day of every week of every season for no justifiable reason. Do you think we need those products to be healthy? These bad habits make up these soulless corporations wealthy. That's from Scarlet Rescue, The End of Tyranny, Lisa Barca, singer, guitarist, songwriter, on the show with us today on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. Right, it's the, the end of tyranny. Going vegan is the end of tyranny. Um, doing it for peace and love, right? I mean, it's like that's peace and love in action ends tyranny. So, that's so, the idea. Exactly. So I'm saying like doing this, singing this out of love and bringing this for peace, but it's not a, a quiet love or a passive peace. You know, this is active, what I'm talking about. This is too urgent to just sort of quietly hope and wait. And so let me just say that if any of your listeners, if people want to find out how to stream or download the music, you can go to scarletrescue.com, scarlet with one T, rescue.com. We share uh, proceeds with local sanctuaries and uh, so check us out online and yeah that is that's the idea with that song is to 
stand up and fight and stand up and speak the truth. Yeah. So, I mean, it's amazing who, uh, you know, people who are so into causes and really care yet, you know, and, and then people who recognize oppression against them often don't recognize when they're oppressing others. And that means meat, dairy, fish and eggs, leather, wool, silk, you know, fur. I mean, it's, uh, uh, I don't know, people often well, we don't open that. their eyes, even though they're so in tune to oppression and against it, but don't know when they're causing it, you know? Well, yeah, you know, we'll say uh, casually, oh, I was treated like an animal, right? Or these people were treated like animals, as if, you know, and the unspoken assumption behind that is that, well, it's okay to treat non-human animals that way. Mm-hmm. Not me, though. Not them, though. You know, or I was working like a mule. Well, yeah, you know, mules are animals that are oppressed, have been oppressed for their labor. You know, there's just so many ways in which this kind of acceptance. Well, there's, of so, there's so much speciesist language. I mean, it's 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 built into the, into the system, like you know, killing two birds with one stone, or you know, uh, more than one way to skin a cat, or you're beating a dead horse, or. You know, all sorts of uh, idiomatic expressions that are, you know, based in, like, the kind of normalized violence in a way, you know? It's like, uh, why would I ever want to kill any birds with any stones, you know? I mean. Uh, it is, it is normalized violence, and it's normalized in many ways, including through our language. So, yeah, that's what I'm calling for. <laughs> Right, right, right. Whenever, you're, of, whenever, yeah, yeah we're, whenever we want to be uh, derisive, uh, you know, like uh, call somebody any animal species, right? You know, you're a cow, you're a pig, you're a dog, you're a rat. You're, you know, it's supposed to be demeaning. To me, it's like a compliment, but you know. Uh, yes. Well, yeah. I mean, if you uh, compare, actually, compare humans to non-human animals. You know they're they're way better than we are. <laughs> no, so seriously, they're better people than we are. They are. They are. Um, oh, and you were talking about your students writing uh, in reaction to the material that you provide to them. Um, I, I wonder if at some point uh, any of them would like to come on and read what they've written. Uh, you know, I, that would be kind of interesting if uh, we could get something like that together, maybe. I, we could figure that out, or I could get their permission, or or read it without the names, um, the names on them too, if they didn't want or, to. Or pers- if they just want to read it themselves, but but keep wearing a mask. Uh, there you go, because you really need ma- a mask on the radio, because then you know, <laughs> then they'll be outed. Yeah, I, that's why I had to ask you that we if there was going to be a video component for this today, you know, because my whole makeup and hairdressing crew, you know, with this whole, uh, Corona, (laughs) you know, COVID-19, they're kind of, uh, yeah, they're not on hand. So anyway, but but nobody needs cosmetics now. Anyway, everybody's wearing a mask. So uh, (laughs) that's right. (laughs) Cosmetics industry, you know, that's right. So, so, and by tyranny, I mean also, you know, different kinds of tyranny. So the tyranny of humans over, over non-humans, but just also the tyranny that is involved on every level in this, you know, um, animal, medical, pharmaceutical, media complex. So that's it's tyranny over 
of humans over other humans as well. And that is the way that this system is built and designed. And so that's why we need to get it out, replace it with a new system. Uh, we need to replace it with a new system. And um, maybe that starts with vegan and then we see where it goes from there. Huh? I mean, well, you know, I would say that, I mean, veganism, mass veganism is necessary. It wouldn't automatically solve every problem because you might still have some problems of resource distribution. We certainly wouldn't have any problem with scarcity. You still have, you have issues with distribution and other kinds of issues, but certainly no solution is complete without it. You know, any type of solution being proposed that does not include mass, I mean, universal, really, veganism is just is lacking. So that is just very important for us to emphasize. If, yeah, if I ran for office, it would be mandatory veganism. Um, I don't know if I quite, I don't know how I do in the polls uh, with that uh, platform, but... Uh... Oh, Bob, you do great. Just wear your <laughs> vegan hat when you go on the air, you know, instead of the MAGA hats, you know, the Trump hats, you just, just make America... Vegan, vegan for, for the, the first time. Because it was never vegan before, so we can't, you know, create any past myths of excellence or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the thing is, people but do no, I, people do feel that I there's something Daisy, wrong, you know. So they do. Just bring Daisy with you whenever you have to appear in the press, and you you will win. All right. Well, Daisy steals the show, my little vegan love. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I'm generally just the guy with Daisy. Wherever I go, I mean, everybody calls, Daisy, Daisy, they don't, they, they don't even notice me, but, uh, which is fine. That's, uh, Daisy's the star of the show, no doubt. So, yeah. We had another song here. Yeah, so let me, um, yeah, actually, I was just going to bring up that, you know, I was talking about how I was listening to your show when I first went vegan, <clears throat> and, you know, also during that time, <laughs> You know, I don't know why I was under this impression. It, it didn't last long. But I had this passing idea that when I became vegan, that people would be super supportive, that they would just be like, oh, oh, that's great. That's wonderful. Wow. Good for you. How can I do it? I Don't ask me why I thought this. You know, uh, I quickly found out it wasn't the case. And I had all of these things, new things to navigate. Right, because so much of social life revolves around killing and eating animals. And so now, and I was I was vegetarian before, so I was never into, you know, going to things that were very, like, meat-heavy. But then once I went vegan, it was just, like, it was starker for me. You know, it was just more intense, right? And so it's like, wow, well, I have to make decisions, right? Am I going to go to this thing, you know, even though they're serving dead animals and other products? Am I going to go and try to talk about it, try to advocate while people are eating? And I know some vegans do that. It doesn't work. It hasn't worked so well for me with my flow. I can talk to people at other times. You know, somehow just going to something where people are eating dead animals and talking about it has not worked well. Um, but, you know, so am I going to go? Am I going to not go? And what kinds of how are people reacting to this? Is it going to alienate some people? Am I going? Is there going to be tension in some of my relationships now? Am I going to lose some friends? And certainly, that 
is the case many times. And I decided, so the song is really about this song, Barbecue Protest. It's about about the social aspects of being vegan in a speciesist world, but also just more generally about standing up for one's uh, principles, even when they're unpopular, and being and that being more important than being friends with any particular uh, person or invited to any type of event. Yeah, yeah I, I had a strange experience once. I was the opening speaker. Well, my show used to be on Air America, and uh, I oh, I can I just say I used to listen to Air America back in the day, but I never heard your show on there, Bob. I don't know how I missed it. I would listen to Janine Garofalo and just all the other stuff going on in there. I somehow I never heard. I, I was on weekends. Uh, sometimes it was it was usually on Saturdays, uh, either afternoon or evening. Okay. So. Um, yeah, because maybe I would have gone vegan, you know, 15 years earlier or something if our 10 years oh, earlier. Oh, but people at Air America used to call in and say, who's that guy to tell us what to eat anyway? We, 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 we want to have our choice, you know, but like what choice do the animals have? So um, I in San Francisco, uh, Mike Malloy was speaking and uh, he had been associated with Air America and some of the progressive radio station. So I, I was the opening speaker um, and it was at a place called Yoshi's, which was, you know, like a sushi and seafood place. And I could, I could see people like choking when I was talking. It was like, you know, it was just such a strange, <laughs> strange environment for it. Um, but, you know, you got to go, got to go where the, where the uh, herbivores who eat meat, dairy, fish and eggs are eating sometimes so you know that's that's the way it worked that was that was my uh barbecue uh, protest you know? there you go yeah you know, <laughs> sometimes you got to risk making people feel uncomfortable i bet they've never th thought thought about that meal the same way you know after after hearing you talk right. well wh why did they invite me to be an opening speaker they know what i discuss right it's like i'm going to talk about <laughs> veganism and animals it's like you know so uh <laughs> Anyway, maybe they thought it was just going to be like recipes and stuff. Who knows? Or regular Air America, you know, anti-war stuff, which, of course, uh, vegan is uh, the only way to peace. Um, OK, so let's uh, go to barbecue protest and uh, Lisa Barca and Scarlet Rescue.
Yeah. Alright. Barbecue protest. Alright, very cool. Yeah, I, uh, barbecues are so strange. You know, the whole thing, family values and the family eats to, to get heart disease and cancer and stroke, to shorten the lives of mom and dad, put the kids on the road to heart disease, cancer, stroke, and diabetes. And then barbecuing, you know, uh, it, it forms carcinogenic uh, compounds, uh, you know, by barbecuing meat. And it's one of the heterocyclic amines, HCAs, whatever, some other, you know, so. It's, it's just, it's so gross. It's so gross, among other things. You know, uh, yeah, so with this song, I mean, you know, I think of the barbecue um, metonymically as sort of encompassing other things, like things like, you know, the Thanksgiving turkey or the pot roast or just all of it, right? So the barbecue kind of stands in for just all that stuff, you know, and, and just like, you know, not wanting to just sort of go and play nice and just be like, oh, sure, I'll just have my veggie burger and sit over here on the side while you are eating, you know, the bodies of tortured beings. And that's okay. You have your choice and I have my choice. It's like, uh, no, F that. You know, I'm not doing that anymore. And that was kind of, you know, how I was feeling when I wrote that song. You know, and it was, I wrote it, I had not been vegan very long yet, and there's that line in there, you know, I don't have a megaphone or minions, you know, just, I was just feeling like kind of alone, you know, just like, mm. what else can I relate to on this uh, topic, so. Well, but I, I've been known to pass out some vegan literature on tables at barbecues, I don't know, you know, running around quickly, putting putting it out there, so, um, and then sometimes, you know, the presence of a vegan um, puts a, a good guilt trip on people around him or her, I think, you know, it's like, uh, you know, it's vegan at my radio station up in Seattle, the sound in Seattle, KNUA. And, uh, you know, sometimes they'd have these party plates there that had uh, so-called cold cuts and I'd come around the corner and I'd see the guilt. I, I still see the business manager, like throwing a piece of salami in her mouth, like, and running, you know, from seeing me, so like, why the guilt if there's nothing wrong with it? Right? You shouldn't feel guilty, but you know, I don't know. Maybe they were trying to keep me happy because I was the program director. So I don't know. So <laughs> yeah. So um, had you been performing around? Well, I guess you don't. There's no way to perform now, uh, you know, in clubs or anything. But uh, had you been going around uh, playing? different venues yeah so before the shutdown you know we'd done a lot of shows so we released the cd uh back in the late fall and um i've played both vegan events and other events so i played at the vegan world 2026 conference here in phoenix uh in october and people just kind of went nuts you know it just seemed like people were very hungry for you know a vegan music that is speaking to the cause and also had some humor and some edge to it. And we got a lot of really good responses there. And then I played at Zen Nights, which is the vegan street fair that we have here in the Phoenix area. I played at the Gratitude Fest in San Diego, their Thanksgiving celebration in November. 
and a few other shows. And then I've played at open mics and other venues. We were really getting off the ground with the band and uh, doing some club gigs. But now that has been, of course, postponed with this pandemic that we're having. But yeah, I've done a lot of you know, live performing, and I'm hoping to do some stuff online now, trying to get all my technology hooked up and figure out how that's going uh, yeah, to work. I've been, I've been working on that too, so uh, we, to we may be doing a show together online soon, or we'll see. We'll, 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 have, to, we'll have to plan a little bit here, um, but uh, that seems the, the way to go right now is to, well, it's the only way to go. You have to be on, online with music. So uh, that's, that's the place for it. So. It is the only way to go. How has it been going? How have the shows been going that you've been organizing? Well, they're, they're good, you know. I mean, uh, the, it's a very relatable kind of format. And, uh, you know, so it's, uh, it's, it's been working out good. I, I, I have a feeling that, I mean, I, in looking at, we've been using Stage It, but I, I, I'm, I'm feeling that maybe... I would be better going like to Facebook Live with some other programs related to that, um, just because uh, you know it's a whole new thing to get people over to a uh, another link like uh, Stage It, and so um, which is is fine. I mean the the shows have been really good on there, but um, I don't know. I you know it's it's like finding the right place now, finding the right venue, and uh, thinking that. You know, Facebook Live, and I, I see some programs that can be uh, associated with that that uh, could make it kind of interesting. Because I've, you know, I've had uh, Dr. Rao from uh, Climate Healers, Dr. Silesh Rao, and he's been uh, doing some presentations re related to animal agriculture and the environment. Um, but again, I'm uh, looking at uh, some some other possible pa uh, platforms also. Um, you know, in experimenting on, you know, the new, the new music scene. So, Good. Well, keep me posted. Yeah, I'm looking into it too. It's really we're gonna have to all figure out how to do this so we can keep the energy going and keep the momentum going. Yeah. Oh, you know, just it just the thought occurred to me in a uh, patriarchal kind of perspective. We we talked about the barbecue, and you talked about thanksgiving and does it seem like it's male oriented that dad is the one with the big uh, knife or axe or something there doing the cooking is that uh, i don't know is that uh what is that is that anything well i mean i mean certainly you know women traditionally are the ones who are you know handling the corpse of this poor dead tortured bird and putting her, him into the oven and taking their entrails out and putting stuffing in. It seems like a sort of equal opportunity exploitation moment. So, but these, but these traditions, the, the narratives behind these holidays are also very oppressive and have a lot of very patriarchal roots. I mean, just the whole phenomenon of colonization, right? That Thanksgiving is supposed to present this sort of cartoonish, you know, celebration of is a very, um, you know, patriarchal affair. It's all about domination and stealing. 
and raping and pillaging. And then we have this holiday where we rape and pillage uh, birds and put them on our tables to celebrate what was actually a very bloody and tyrannical affair, uh, which was colonization. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, all of it. If and, you so, and so dinner is bloody and tyrannical then, too. Right. It's, uh, it, yes, it all is. It all is. And, you know, when I wrote that song, I will just say um, that vegan barbecuing wasn't such a huge thing yet. Or maybe it was. And I just didn't know a lot about it. But I think it's much huger now. So technically, you could go to a barbecue and have it be a vegan barbecue with sure. Beyond Burgers, for instance. And people are doing that now. So that's good. Yeah, definitely. So uh, there are many, uh, many vegan choices for the barbecue. So, yeah. So, um, so again, how can people reach you or get your music or? Uh, yeah, so they can, yeah, they can go to scarletrescue.com. So scarlet with one T, rescue.com. We're also on Facebook. You can find us on Facebook at Scarlet Rescue. And we're on Spotify, iTunes, and other Downloading and streaming platforms, all of that is linked at scarletrescue.com. And, uh, yeah, check it out. You know, we'll, we will be doing some live shows once we get things worked out with the technology. And, again, you know, I'm doing this to spread the word, to get people's energy up, to get people excited, and to also help sanctuaries, help local sanctuaries. We did a local – the last show that I did was actually a local uh, sanctuary benefit it was right. in, it was in uh, late January, and we raised five hundred dollars in one night for our one of our local sanctuaries here, Goats with Horns Animal Sanctuary. So I'm actually just talking to my collaborators and my partners in crime here locally to do a, another one of these because we had one scheduled for April 10th, which of course was canceled due to the shutdown. But we're right now planning to do it online. So. By supporting the music, you're also helping to support sanctuaries and support the movement. So definitely check it out at scarletrescue.com. All for a great cause. Okay. Did we uh, cover everything? Anything else you uh, wanted to mention, or are we there? Oh, you know, I'm sure we could talk for hours about all this stuff, Bob, but I think we just had a good run of it just now. Okay. Well, sounds like a plan. So um, it was great having you here and listening to your music. It's really Really uh, great songs there for the vegan cause. And uh, we'll have to catch up again in the future. Again, I'm interested in uh, the writing of your students there. Uh, so let's, uh, let's see if we can get that together sometime soon. Absolutely. Love to do that, Bob. Thanks so much for having me. Okay. Thanks, Lisa. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com, on Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, and Twitter at GoVeganRadio. Our thanks to Lisa Barca for being with us today. 
Some really cool music there, huh? Yeah, great hearing from uh, Lisa. Great conversation. And again, um, I ask you to uh, please support this talk show, podcast, um, with a tax-deductible donation. We would greatly appreciate it if you would help us uh, keep going here. And uh, I know uh, times are hard for a lot of people, but, you know, if, if you're a mask salesperson or you know, a ventilator uh, manufacturer. You're rolling in dough right now. So maybe uh, you can make a donation. Help us out at GoVeganRadio.com. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk again soon.